Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Thank you all for listening to, downloading, subscribing, streaming, doing whatever you're doing to listen to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. If you don't subscribe, then do me a favor. It helps to support the podcast more than you know. Go to iTunes, subscribe, leave five stars, write a review, do everything you can because all that interaction goes into the algorithms that iTunes has created that helps further the the word of this here podcast. Also, if you want to help support the podcast, help keep it free, help keep the back catalog free, help keep the guests uh, coming in as often as they are, then do me a favor. If you're shopping at Amazon anyway, don't do extra. Just if you're shopping at Amazon, no more going to Amazon.com. On your web browser, just type in notsam.com slash Amazon. It's the same Amazon website. It's the same prices. Everything is exactly the same, except instead of 100% going to Jeff Bezos, a tiny little bit goes to this podcast, and then the rest goes to Jeff Bezos. And what has Jeff Bezos ever done for you except create Amazon? So go to notsam.com slash Amazon, and in the meantime, enjoy Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Woo, I'm excited for this one. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's going to be a good one. I promise you that. We're on a good roll. If anybody missed last week's episode, you got to make sure you go back and download it. The Marty Skrull episode. I'm surprised, you know, some of you guys were upset that he wouldn't uh, dignify my thought to just changing his name to Skrull, since I feel like in America a lot of people do that with his name. And we didn't bring up at all the fact that he could easily just t- change his name to Marty Squirrel. If he just changed his name to Marty Squirrel, number one, it'd be easy for all Americans to pronounce, they'd get it. And number two, the gimmick possibilities for Marty Squirrel are endless. He could go around stealing everybody's stuff as they're at ringside. And they'll be like, what are you doing? And he'd be like, I'm stealing it for winter. It'd be per- I mean, And that's just the beginning. That's just me spitballing right here in front of you guys. So you can imagine, if you actually put a pen to paper, how much you could come up with for the great Marty Squirrel, the Bullet Cup Club's official mascot. I think it's a good idea. But you'd have to talk to him about it. Well, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. This is the premiere wrestling podcast for wrestling fans that's why i do it because i still enjoy pro wrestling i still enjoy sports entertainment i like watching it every week that's why i do it so uh that's the perspective that we generally come at this stuff with uh i want to thank everybody for tweeting me and for tuning in to the extreme rules kickoff show uh over the weekend Uh, i'll definitely talk about my experiences out there in Baltimore for the show and what I thought of the show. And, uh, you know, I, I watched it there, went back, watched some more of it uh, on the WWE Network to get that experience. And a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about with that show. A lot to talk about with what's happened on Raw and SmackDown. So we're leading on one end to great balls of fire, which is what, you know, four weeks away? 
And on the other side, in a week and a half, we've got money in the bank. It's a strong lead into SummerSlam. Take the name Great Balls of Fire outside of the equation. Everything else, if it was just called, I've read somewhere, somebody had a suggestion, why don't you just name the pay-per-view WWE Joe versus Brock or Brock versus Joe? Much better than Great Balls of Fire. But regardless, you've got the Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar pay-per-view. You've got Money in the Bank. I think then there's another SmackDown pay-per-view and then SummerSlam. I mean, it's going to be a fun summer. It's going to be a fun summer for sure. But we'll get to all that in State of Wrestling. A lot to talk about with what's going on today. But before we get to that, you know we got to start with the interview. And it's a real treat. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this interview. Uh, it again, just like eight, nine, ten months ago, however long ago the first one was, this interview took place in Rahway, New Jersey. Cody Rhodes was back in town to do a show for WrestlePro, which is Pat Buck's promotion. A really, really great, professional, well-put-together indie wrestling promotion that I don't think gets enough credit. WrestlePro, because they put on shows that not only is it well-put-together, not only is it professional, they start on time, the people that are advertised to be there are there, they end at a reasonable hour. It's not like, you know, hey, here's everybody going to this show. You know, all these ex-WWE guys are going to be there. Bell time's at 8 p.m. And you get there. Nobody's on the roster. The show starts at 9.30. You can leave at about 2 o'clock in the morning. None of that None of that weird carny stuff with WrestlePro. It's just a straight-up good show that you can either go, like, by yourself. You can bring kids to. It's really, it's, it's a fun, fun show. And the last show I watched in the audience, I just sat and watched the show and it's uh it's just a really fun thing to be a part of so if russell pro is hitting any town near you make sure that you uh give him a chance support indie wrestling as they say but at the last show cody rhodes had a match with joey janela and before that he had a date with primetime sam roberts we sat down cody rhodes and the last professional broadcaster once again in front of a live audience in rawway new jersey so we could talk about uh, where he's at now. You know, the Cody Rhodes story is very, very interesting. Last time I talked to him, it was uh, just coming off of his WWE time. He had just kind of started doing some indie shots. The list was a big thing. This was before the list of Jericho. This was the list of Rhodes. And kind of figuring out where his place in this world of independent wrestling was, was the big topic of conversation. Now things are very different. Now he's a bona fide independent performer now he's on he's a part of the bullet club he's in ring of honor he's in tna but we got to everything we talked about uh whether or not he's uh, going back to tna we talked about uh ring of honor filling up a 10,000 seat arena we talked about the bullet club we talked about adam cole we talked about jinder mahal we talked about the revival everything that you could possibly want to know from cody rhodes well i got to as much of it as possible inside the time constraints that we have which were long but still, there's a lot to talk to this guy about. So, I now share with you the folks that weren't able to be in Rahway, New Jersey. Yours truly, Sam Roberts and Cody Rhodes, this week here on the Wrestling Podcast. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, welcome back. After I think it's, uh, it's under a year, but not that much under a year, to Rahway, New Jersey. And now every time I come to Rahway, New Jersey, I have uh, one thing that I have to do, and that's sit down in front of a group of people with my good friend, Cody. Cody. Just Cody. Cody. Welcome. Just Cody. 
it's weird that you say just Cody because so much has changed in short span of time. Don't you currently like? I think you work for WWE now, right? I do. What is the, I work with WWE. What is the relationship? What is the nature of the relationship? <laughs> you guys didn't realize you actually signed up for a, a Cody Rhodes podcast with special guest Sam Robbins. Yeah, what is the what is the nature of the relationship? I uh, what tell me what you're doing. I host uh, some of the Peter Rosenberg and I host oh. the pay per view pre shows, kickoff shows for WWE. I got a good Peter Rosenberg story. Hit me with it. So. I made a habit of doing um, Stardust interviews as Stardust. Oh, I remember. One thing that Sam is very good at, and not you always make it about your guest. Uh, I'm sure you have an ego to some degree, because when I got here, he gave me the <laughs> like time. Uh, I, well, you, we were supposed to be here 15 minutes ago. You know, right, right. You, you, you have a, probably a bit of an ego, and maybe it's well-deserved. Right. So... I'm not saying Peter Rosenberg has an ego, and I'm not. Okay. I'm not even going to say that they're the name of their podcast because I had a lovely interview with them. Right. However, they were grossly offended that Stardust asked them what their names were. Uh, grossly <laughs> offended because Stardust should know they're doing that. Stardust is doing one of the big interviews. I thought because Joe Villa, as Joe Villa runs PR for WWE, Joe Villa, I feel like he's responsible for. You climbing the ladder to when, Very you, much when so. you eventually are running NXT or whatever is next for you. Right. We'll, we'll thank Joe Villa. Um, oh, absolutely. Very much so. He, Peter Rosenberg, I think's ego was offended. Uh, because, Did Stardust didn't yeah, know who he was? Yeah, because I followed like them both on Twitter. No follow came after that. And I thought we had this lovely chat. Wow. And they just were grossly offended because when I said, as Stardust, I don't even remember, you know, what's your name or whatever. The dude legit... <laughs> and, and then he looked like if, if Pat was Joe Villa, then he looked and did this, and I thought like, oh, this is going off the rails. <laughs> right? Like we're uh, now, yeah. do you when you especially when I'm you're doing sorry, the Stardust Peter character, Rosenberg. It wasn't. It was Stardust. But do you like that when you realize like, oh, this is this is not going the way the interview intended? Like Paul Heyman, for instance. Yes. He would make an effort to figure out what me or any other interviewer, yeah. what, if he could figure out what the plan for the interview was, mm -hmm. his immediate effort would be to throw it off the rails. Oh, yeah, yeah, thrive. Yeah, he in loves the chaos. It. After doing probably 15 to 20 interviews that morning, I just wanted it to be over. <laughs> and they have one of the more popular at the time podcast i'm not sure what it is but they had a very popular they were oh, yeah. literally sitting high up and joe had been giving them the a treatment maybe they just didn't want to interview stardust but the the opening of the interview there's you can feel a palpable tangible tension almost almost That's and, great. and then they but you know what total pros they went through with it well i, I apologize to peter rosenberg and the other guy. Let's get that out there. And the other guy. <laughs> By the way, him, you, yeah. you've upset the other guy now. I, I apologize. You still don't know his name. We can in post. We'll put it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll put it in there. We'll both. figure it out. But yeah, that's what Peter Rosenberg and I we go back and forth hosting the kickoff shows. Good for, for you WWE guys. Pay per views. Yeah. yeah. Is there an action figure on the way? I hope. I haven't been scanned yet. Oh, everybody gets scanned. <laughs> Is that right? Oh my. Justin Roberts would get scanned. Like everybody gets oh. scanned. And so would a guy like would if you a guy didn't like, get scanned. It's really not good. You you're don't off, rank. You're off to a rough start. Yeah. If, would guys get scanned thinking that they were getting action figures yep. and, and you would oh, know, yeah. like, no, no, no. Uh, what's a, so T, what is it now? 2K? 
2K, 2K does the video when game? they when they film you like the first time with the bazillion cameras and you're in the room, it's a really cool experience. Every time after that, it's unnecessary. They already have, they, have your they already have this. Right. And you'll you can tell the difference between like Apollo Crews warming up so excited about to and then you can like see someone else just <laughs> just kicking their feet in the corner, yeah. No, that's, which that's is a cool why, moment, though. You're immortal. Which is why, that. if you use Cody Rhodes in any video game, except for the first one he was in, the character just comes across Same. as lazy and doesn't want to be there. Whoever did my mocap, so most of the mocap guys are pretty well known because it's the same crew guys that always goes and does mocap because it's great money for them mm -hmm. whoever did my mocap watched stardust very first entrance mm -hmm. and nothing else because <laughs> i never did half the stuff ever again and it was funny to watch like hey well you know that's what they use it so. all gets in there yeah like shane this. mcmahon did his own mocap did you guys know that no what do went, you mean went and did his own mocap didn't want somebody doing his moves so shane so did his own mocap generally when they're doing video games you do like the stuff that's yours, but in terms of doing the moves, they have a person that goes in and does the moves. Yeah, they get some really talented uh, folks, and they're literally, they, those guys are, they make sure they get their mocap. They get some very talented folks who know how to do almost everybody's stuff. Gotcha. And properly. Gotcha. And they execute it, and they got all the dots on them, and they right. film it. But Shane put the dots on himself, on his sneaks and everything, and did all his own stuff, apparently. Just because he's a perfectionist? He's Shane McMahon. Just, it's the man. Just the man, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, so you've now, in the time since we last spoke, when we last spoke, it was still about, you know, the list, and are you really not in WWE anymore? And yeah, this yeah. can't be true, and, and, and this is so weird that this is happening. I'm not. And, yeah, well, we figured it out by now. No. We're now at the point where you're, you're a legitimate journeyman wrestler. You've, you, I feel like you've, you've transferred yeah. over into that territory. Would you not say that that's a fair statement? Well, this is a loaded question because I don't want a year from now the answer then to change again. Where I mean, I feel like it's I'm just the same, if that makes any sense. Journey, journeyman wrestler kind of denotes like there's a, there's a lot of bad journeyman wrestlers, right, Pat? Who, who <laughs> think, can you think of somebody? Like a real bow. He's, uh, <laughs> there was a lot in OVW. There was a lot of like journeyman wrestlers who came through. I want to be a give it, put it somewhat other way. Well, because you're more than an, uh, an, uh, an independent wrestler, right? No, I don't think so. I think I'm an independent wrestler. So if I said you're now officially an independent yeah, wrestler, that's the highest is... paid independent wrestler well, that's of all was, time. That's what I was going to ask you because <laughs> when we talked, when we talked to what last time you were in Rawway, probably. Um, you said that the one thing that you wanted to do was wrestle at a really bad indie show. Oh. Have you gotten to do that, or have you priced yourself out? Um, I had one very bad experience. One. I'm glad you asked. No, thank but you. It's uh, kind of a can of worms. I had one bad experience, but it was not crowd or match-wise. They had a record crowd, and I got to wrestle Donovan Dijak, who's, you know, if you've seen Donovan Dijak, he's – absurdly good sure um so the match super happy with it so it wasn't the, one of these things where the rings falling apart or there's 20 people in I'll, the audience i'll tell the story without naming the promotion okay that's is fair. that is that fair yeah. um okay long story short there was a promotion in connecticut that wwe it wasn't I figured yeah, it, it out <laughs> i knew it um that uh they had uh scheduled me um to wrestle Dijak, and they had it on the books for months and i never heard of them and i 
even with doing my homework, they hadn't done a lot of events. It was a younger individual who was running uh, this uh, company. So you were never, and I don't mean to interrupt yeah. the story, but you were, you're not like uh, uh, discerning about what companies you work for. No. It's, if you can pay the money and my weekend's free. It's, it's, it's less about the money and more about um, the opponent. Gotcha. You know what I'd like? Gotcha. To, like, that's why there's no true rate to any of this. Like, if the opponent's somebody like, oh, my gosh, like um, Matt Cross, for example. I just wanted to wrestle Matt Cross so bad that I, I think I did it for free. I don't know. I probably didn't. Um, <laughs> but anyways, this, but guy, yeah, so, so, this so guy's got me. He's got me with Dijak. Dijak and I have worked, like, didn't plan on it, but we ended up working at Ring of Honor. Uh, we had a couple matches prior to this um, already. And this is mon- months out. I got contacted to go back on the set of Arrow for just to film an episode that aired a few weeks ago. So this is months out. I want to give him a heads up. I'm looking at the schedule, and I'm thinking there's almost no way that I'm going to make this guy's show. Almost no way. Let's, get a, let's contact him. Let's find a suitable replacement. Let's do all that. And um, the next bit of correspondence was this gentleman asking me about a sponsor dinner. Meaning he had booked a bar and grill uh, saying that uh, I was going to be there and it was going to be like a post-show party. Like, you know, like everyone tonight from WrestlePro, if we went to some spot and had like a post-WrestlePro event. He told me the event kind of hinges upon me being there. And I was very forthcoming. Like, hey, it's unlikely I'm going to even make the show in the first place. Uh, but we're doing everything we can to get there, so I don't know if I'll be able to do the dinner. Because but you're certainly not going to the, the post-show dinner if you don't make the show. If I don't make, make the show. Sense. So, so that's the last bit of correspondence we ever had. The rest of it was through you know, uh, uh, my manager and him, which sounds so snooty, but that's who the correspondence was wow. between. And it got to the point where I had to take a flight from Vancouver, the very first flight from Vancouver in the morning, to Hartford. And I was going to be getting there 30 minutes before the show actually started. The plane so lands 30 minutes. 30 minutes okay. before the show actually started. So not the end of the world. If we're, we're, we were going on later in the night, so not the end of the world. We can, we can get something going. That's, it's going to work. It, had there been a single travel woe, wouldn't have made it. He's right. aware of all of this. I still am on the set of Arrow at 4 in the morning the night before, laying on a rooftop in a cold, cold like pool of rainwater with uh, – the character Diggle just pointing a fake gun at me and they're just filming the same thing over and over again. And I'm not saying anything or really needed, but I'm there. Right. And as the time is going by, I'm like, Oh, I'm not gonna, there's no way. And this is no way it's four. I should be at the airport already because it's two hours. Give myself for customs. I don't, I'm in Canada. Yeah, Vancouver, Canada. So it's going to be even more complicated to actually get on the plane. So the aero people, super accommodating, put me in a van, change of clothes, all this. I mean, just, Brilliant. Get Which, by this. the way, is balls to even tell the Arrow people that you're in a hurry because most people oh, yeah. in position are like, Bro, look, I I'm can a, do indie shows every weekend. I'm it's a glorified every- extra on right. the show asking for my own ride to the, you know, <laughs> like so. But they t- took care of me great. I make the first flight. Uh, first flight, I go through customs and I barely make the second flight. Barely make the second flight. I'm so nervous because I don't know when we're on uh, that I have a suit on just like now and my tights on underneath it because I was convinced like – like this guy's not communicating with me. I'm not going to get the car. Whatever. Long story short. Sorry. This is this, no, this this, is good. This, this, you had to know everything that led into it. Yes. I decided, you know what? I made it. Great. I got time to talk to Dijak. Let's go balls to the wall. Let's just 
burn this thing down. I have no sleep, but who cares? I get through this, can sleep all night, no big deal. I thought Plus we had that feeling of accomplishment. Like yeah. they said that wasn't going to happen. And I, made I did it. Happen. it. I'm so, Cody. So I, we get through the match. I finish. I, I, uh, the people seem really happy. He told me it was their record crowd. I felt super sense of accomplishment. Afterwards, he says to me, so are you still good for that dinner? And I said, you know, honestly, I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm I haven't slept. I think I'm just going to hit the hay. And this is when it came. This my first bad experience okay. is in this one phrase. Which, by the way, before we even get to the phrase, you're still half of your brain is still in that puddle yeah. in Vancouver because yeah. no time has passed yeah. because you haven't slept. And, and Dijak beat the tar out of me, right. like just on everything. So you're maybe your most irritable. A- absolutely. Okay. And uh, I said, no, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to sleep. And he looked at me and said, well, do you want to get paid? <laughs> Which is so carny indie wrestling. I, I, I didn't know what to do. Right. Uh, like, a part of me wanted to like move my hand on like, but this is this is this is capital murder. Right. This is like so, and everyone's looking. By the way, just you putting your hand on my oh, neck, you could have done a lot of. No, damage. like yeah. I didn't know what to do. So yeah. I did the most like cowardly thing ever. I like popped out. Like literally looked at him and just walked into the other room. And I like texted my wife, um, "What do I do?" Right. Um, and Brandy's like super circle the wagons. Let's let's you know let's beat him pretty. So, yeah, so this is so the cooler heads help- prevailed. She's not helpful yeah. in this uh, <laughs> in this regards. Uh, and then I came back in and I I told I think I told him I didn't even want any of his money. I said I'm gonna sign some of these eight by tens for these gentlemen at the restaurant if it really was me that it hinged upon, and uh, I'm gonna go. And my driver, he took, took me to the hotel. Halfway on the way to the hotel, I said, you know what? We're going to go to that dinner. We're going to go to that dinner. So we turn around, go to the dinner. No one has any interest that I'm there at all. The guy at the front door cards me when I get in, <laughs> marks my hand and everything. Okay, cool. I got to eat. I'll go sit down. I sit down with some of the people who I thought were at the show. I start to eat. That guy who had just threatened to not pay me. Walks in and standing ovation. Oh, of course. From his uh, like his minions. Because it's his sponsor. Yeah, there. it was. Yeah, yeah. and uh, at that point, I just got up and left. And he never got paid. Uh, I didn't want to get paid. Right. Uh, I, I might have gotten paid, and um, the old the old shyster manager might have kept it, but I didn't want I I didn't want to be attached to it in the but slightest. That's amazing. Yeah. Like he he threatened to not pay you if you didn't show up to this dinner, yeah. which was really. Just about. Him. Sorry for such a long journey of taking you on. <laughs> it was the only bad experience I had. And there's a second part where a referee said to me right after he heard the initial, do you want to get paid? This random referee who seemed really nice up to that point looked at me and goes, hey, man, you can't blow him off like that. Last guy who did that was Kevin Nash. And I'm thinking, I, I didn't blow him off. <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't know. And like, his whole crew is just staring at me. It was just a, just a terrible experience. Uh-huh. Terrible. So that was the last time you worked for that promotion, I would think. I don't think it's I don't think it's around anymore. Probably, probably done. I don't think, but the, I mean, on the scale of like, that was the one bad experience I had so in the, this entire year. W- one bad experience. Was there was something it. romantic about it though? Because you had your carny indie experience. That no, wasn't romantic at all. You didn't like it. No, you hated it. no, it yeah, okay. felt terrible. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah, felt I don't like terrible. You feel terrible. Yeah. Um, comedians like who are are super famous, like Ricky Gervais and Jerry Seinfeld. They've said that. When you have that kind of fame, you can get on stage and the audience gives you a five-minute grace period 
but then it's still just your performance. Like Ooh. you can't do a 60 minute set and just have it be like, I, I just, I, I get laughs because I'm famous. Like you get five minutes sure, 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 sure. and then you're, it's going to be your sure. performance. Now that you've had a year, have, have the reactions changed? Has that sort of like, we're here to see the guy from TV since you're not really the guy TV from TV anymore. anymore, unless it's TNA, which that would, no offense to you. Our ring, of, our ring of honor. smaller amount of people. Yeah, sure, 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 yeah. sure. Um, it, does that reaction change? Do you feel like you have to do more to get the reaction, or did you always, was that never in your head? I don't think I've gotten ever the five-minute grace period. Um, so you haven't even gotten the five? Yeah, maybe because I've been really fortunate to be, be on last and to be the main event of some of these shows and been lucky to be in that position. And by that point in the night, they're not interested in giving anybody a five-minute grace period. They're ready. <laughs> they're ready for their, like, their main event. So you have to get and go. Um, I haven't – I mean, th th it's cool because there's an American Nightmare shirt in the room right now. I don't know why the snowball has gotten kind of bigger. I guess that's how it works, right? It rolls down the hill. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting for it all to, to be like, okay – Move on. You We've know? seen him. Yeah, yeah, and it's just been I, I don't know. Maybe it's being around the Bucks, uh, and seeing what they're doing. But this is like, it's going backwards. I I just uh, found out that, you know, my merchandise is going to be on normal retail shelves with the Hot Topic deal. That's amazing. Yeah, and and they'll be next to WWE merchandise. Like you'll be able to. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you think a year ago that you would sign a deal that you can go to a mall? And buy a Cody Rhodes T-shirt. I know, and it's crazy. And it's really, I'm just, I'm very, I'm very, 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 very lucky uh, for how it's gone, and I'm lucky the time period that I chose to split because now you can watch Evolve on uh, Flow Slam, you can watch uh, New Japan on New Japan World. You know, every promotion's really good about getting its audience, hey, here's where you can see what we do. Um, so that's, you know, the era of TV is slowly dying. It's not, but we're in it. It's, right. it's slowly going away, yeah. you know? Yeah. I also think that more and more promoters, I even think the WWE has realized that there is this sort of thing when there are certain people that it makes sense to not put those exclusivity restraints on. That like I hate that word. Exclusivity or restraints? Exclusivity. Why do you hate it? No one should be exclusive anywhere. Right. I mean, you're exclusive to WWE, right? Well, I'm, they're letting, I'm in a room with you. I, I mean, that I, says a lot of to WWE's credit, doesn't I hope, it? I hope they have you back for the next... <laughs> you think this could be it? Did you, already, did you already get your travel and everything? But even on, like, the UK tournament, for example, like, they've got a whole crop of UK guys that they're, they're doing the WWE UK stuff, sure. but then they're also in the UK doing progress and all those other promotions. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you're able to do Ring of Honor and TNA and Indies and everything mm -hmm. that you want to do. And I think that guys like you, and you're one of the first to do it, have, have showed people that actually letting you do more has increased your value to every promotion that you're doing, right? I, perhaps. I think, I think we kind of are in a time period where uh, talent, and this isn't a gender-specific thing, it's more a metaphor. Gender Mahal? Not, not gender, no. Not gender Mahal, but oh. what a, what? Incredible, some, huh? Somebody, so I, I try to kind of live under a rock when it comes to the WWE, but you can't avoid seeing your Twitter feed 
people talking about Jinder Mahal right. wrestling Randy Orton right. at a pay-per-view. Which is what a good what a turnaround for the title. For, for the title. Main eventing for is it, title. I hope he wins. I hope they're saying it's possible. What a what a Wow. But that's also the ultimate. What a world we live in. That's the ultimate argument to the to the Cody Rhodes of the world that we're like, you know, it's obvious you guys aren't going to do anything with me. Yeah, well, that's what Jinder said. Look at that. Yeah, no, I maybe I, maybe I should have stayed around for five right. more minutes. He's no. like the one, the Jinder, one guy man. out of everybody. He's jacked, too. He looks amazing. Great Zero shape. body fat. Zero? It looks like zero to me. Whew. And I've analyzed that physique. <laughs> physique. Yeah, you're going to be talking about this. I will. I talk about it right wow. now. I talk well, about it every week. If you can plug that. I, I'm going for gender in this thing. All right, yeah. good. Good. For everybody out there. I mean, he got he got canned. Welcome back with probably no promise of anything except um, enhancing up-and-coming NXT guys, and now he's the guy. He's in the main he's event. Yeah, good yeah. for gender. And it's good for you to cheer for gender. Randy Orton is a guy that you spent a lot of your career with. I love Randy. Right. What a mess he got himself into. How so? What, what a just – Why? What do you mean? The whole why why did why the discussion even began? The the dive headlock. Oh yeah. Like why even why did <laughs> it even begin? That he took up well, I guess uh Rip Rogers I think started it. Oh. And he was kind of criticizing the way that uh that the young guys, the indie guys, the the flippy floppy guys as they're known, yeah. uh, uh get their crowd reactions and, and all that, which you know, the, to me it felt like an older guy who maybe didn't understand what young people were. What's going on today? Right, which yeah. which happens in every, literally every single sure. industry. Um, and then Randy Orton decided to take Rip's side on it, I guess, and say, yeah, well, you know, Rip, Rip helped train Randy, and there's probably some uh, a personal connection there. I think, like with Cornette and Rip, because I I actually Rip Rogers blocked me. On Twitter, on no. Twitter, and I have no knowledge of why. I think. <laughs> He got tired of seeing like uh, Joey Ryan and I clips or something or pictures of me and I don't know, but no idea why. I like Rip's thought process of, around wrestling. I like Cornette's thought process around wrestling. Right. But I always look at it two different ways. There's a wrestling thought process, and then there's a promoter thought process. And promoters, the main goal here for these shows is to get as many people. And if that's offering them a wide variety of not just one standard set, of wrestling psychology, that's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Joey Ryan, the wrestling that Joey does is offensive to me. I have, however, wrestled him twice <laughs> and loved the matches and loved the challenge. But you're offended by the things that uh, he does, the penis plex. Intergender wrestling offends me. You however, if somebody was to, I, I don't know if I would say no because it's, that's the challenge. You can't just be stuck in one mindset. You know, there's, if you're a promoter, and I, I guess as much as an independent wrestler, I also like to consider myself a promoter. I promote myself right. where I'm going. I want to promote myself, so I don't want to just, here it is. This is all you're going to get for me. You know, like I, I like the challenge, and uh, I'm surprised that when I see some of the older guys who know all about the importance of selling tickets right. kind of knocking those who are selling tickets. Like, yeah, I'm not going to, never mind. I was going to say something very mean, but I'm you not going to. say something mean. No, I was, I mean, half of just, what I say is mean. It's no. just us in Rawway here. No, 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 no. I, uh, yeah, it's, I'm surprised Rip blocked me. Sad day. It is sad. I like do a lot you, of Rip's tweets too. Do you, uh, do you 
worry is the reason that you find that stuff offensive like do you worry that in in the long term because i think that that is the criticism that guys like rip and Cornette bring up is that in the long term this stuff hurts the credibility of the business and while people it'll get that instant sure. reaction people eventually will grow tired of it and then won't be able to go back to the other thing because this has exposed it so much well i feel like i'm sure like george hackenschmidt and freaking the kind of coming of age, turn of the century wrestlers, professional wrestlers at the time, probably looked at what somebody like Gorgeous George was doing mm -hmm. and were offended. And then Gorgeous George probably looked at some somebody like Vern Gagne, and uh, here he is doing a headset, and he was offended. Right. I think, um, I don't know, I feel like, especially so being so seasoned, Rip and Cornette being so seasoned, knowing the importance of selling tickets, it just surprises me. I love Cornette. Love I do him. too, I'm a fan. L love him, but I... It surprises me. You, Cornette has been one of – he was one of the hottest acts ever Yeah. in terms of his ability to get people to come to the building. Um, so I'm surprised that when he doesn't like other people who do the same, but they just do it their own way. He's got to know by now, though. I think now he's just playing it up. Maybe. The, the guys that he's criticized have become huge, like undeniable successes. On, on the record, I hate Joey Ryan's wrestling. Why do you – why are you so offended by Joey Ryan? Uh, but I – but uh, – I've enjoyed the matches I've had with him. Why are you offended by by Joey Ryan and by intergender wrestling? Like, what what is it that offends you? Just the concept of a man touching a woman. I don't know. I'm very conservative in the like. I don't know. I'm from the South, right? So like, you can't put your hands on women. Right. However, a lot of the women in these matches they want those fights. Hasn't Joey Ryan beaten up your wife? He beat up my wife. Yeah. Beat up I my mean, wife right in front of me. Can't you tell your wife? Yeah. Like, I find this offensive. Yeah, I don't want no. you to do stuff like I'm that. I'm a big – I'm just a big hypocrite. I'll tell you right now, like, I don't – I hate it. But then if somebody was like, hey, do you want to wrestle Candace? I'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll do it. Yeah. She's really good. Yeah, we she's really good. Plus, we'll sell tickets. Picked me up. Picked me up like uh, there's been two times in my career that I legit thought, what, what ungodly strength. One time – uh, Brock Lesnar had jumped me and Dustin and hit me with a chair about, hey, there's Moose. Everyone say hi to Moose. Say hi. <laughs> yeah, um, so Brock had picked me up um, and put me on his shoulders, and I've never felt any – I've never felt helpless like that in, right. in my life. You can come in here. There's you, Moose, everybody. <laughs> um, so I've never, I've never felt helpless like that in my life when he picked me up, and I thought, well, that's why he's Brock Lesnar. He's, that's why I get it. In the Cow Palace, uh, what's called the Ballsplex, uh, Candice. The Ballsplex. Is the only other person who I felt helpless <laughs> in her arms. <laughs> She's got, I don't know if it's like some CrossFit level or double, right. double tendons or some sort of absurd strength level. It's deceiving. But threw me, threw me all the way like over my head, kind of legs over. Yeah. Is there yeah. Only two times that's ever happened. Is there anything you've regretted doing in the name of selling tickets? No, I think that's your... You have to find your line. You know, you have right. to find your line. Where's your line? Um, and I, I, I don't think I've da like dabbled too far into what uh, my line is. You know, I think the, f the fans kind of determine where the line is. Right. You know, and the, and the audience per se, there are family-friendly shows. There are more, you know, 21 and up shows. It's a wide variety of uh, what you can do. I'm super conservative, though, so I try. So I'm glad, in terms of being conservative and crossing lines and stuff, what, what do you, in hindsight, and did you as a kid think of Goldust in 96? 
Because to me, I'm not conservative, and I thought it was one, even in 96, like I literally was Goldust for Halloween one year. I thought it was the best wrestling character I'd ever seen in my life. I, um, I think because I loved Dustin, I never like, I never looked at it that way. You know, and I'd go to school and people would say some terrible things. Right. This is middle school when Goldust is going on. It's the worst Plus years. you were, 96, you, you could, you, people were homophobic in 96. Yes. Like, so there wasn't this yeah, anti-bullying this, thing. And then, like, Marietta, Georgia, I, there was a regularly, I mean, I'd say once to twice a week at school, some sort of, like, nasty thing said to me about uh, the sexual nature of Goldust. But I, I just, I... I saw all that and the androgynous behavior and the line pushing and all. But, uh, man, if you really think about it, good for Goldust. Right. Because if he did anything, yeah, he drew heat. But he also drew out a lot of homophobic people. Like, That's get a good a, point. Yeah, like the, the wrestling can be whatever you want it to be. It can be for anybody, anything, any gender, any sexuality, anything. And if you're still one of those people offended uh, that a pro wrestler is a gay, even though Dustin's not gay, but <laughs> is presenting himself as perhaps a gay man, well, then you're, you don't need to be watching wrestling anymore, right. I don't think. Because wrestling goes ahead of the curve. Um, you know, wrestling broke the color barrier before baseball did. I feel like whenever I hear, like, wrestling is racist or closed-minded, you need to be more specific. You need to say such and such is racist and closed-minded. But pro wrestling is one of the most open-ended things it, it, there ever was and well, ever is. It's, yeah. it's a full reflection of its audience, right? Like it, it yeah. becomes an entire reflection of I, the culture. Have I told you the gold dust story in 2017? I thought we talked about this the last time. Did we? Did we? Did it, Did it? you guys, the gold dust, what, happen, what would happen if you debuted in 2017? Did we talk about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what was it briefly? It was as they did. I watched a sketch where a guy pretended to be gold dust in 2017 and a guy stood up in the crowd and said, oh, dude. I'm gay. It's cool. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Dustin, and the next guy was like, "Well, you know what? You know what? I, me being gay, I'm gonna get heat." And then two guys stood up and kissed. Like, no, man, go for it. <laughs> it like, oh. Yeah, no. Yeah, good for yeah. good for Goldust. Uh, what what balls to to yeah. go that direction? And yeah, no, good for Goldust. Was there any hesitation in joining the Bullet Club? Because you know that you you now have become this guy who is definitely a, 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 an individual singles sure. marquee talent and you are now jumping under the um, umbrella of a brand that is as big as any brand is outside of WWE in this industry. Um yeah, maybe a little hesitation but not uh not because I didn't want to be part of it. I absolutely wanted to be part of it. But I didn't want to be lesser than um, that's yeah. Kenny Omega is probably, I mean, I'm the best professional wrestler currently. Um, if you've watched not just the Okada match, uh, the Okada match, the series of matches um, that he's been having, and then the Bucks, their style be it is what it is, but they're they can do it every night. They're the I didn't want to be lesser than. And right. they're uh, being the elite, the YouTube, their, their level of creativity, their level of business acumen. Uh, the Bullet Club is very much elite when I look at those guys. So I just didn't want to be lesser than. So I figured, well, if I'm, I, I need to, it was a challenge for me. Plus I, you're theoretically you know. going to be compared to 
the people before the AJ Styles, the Finn Balor, the all these. I hope no one compares me to AJ Styles. <laughs> he's, re- he's really good. Um, no, uh, yeah, they, they they have a, an elite list of of folks, and I feel like with the Bullet Club, if you look at kind of the history of the Bullet Club, you'll see like there's some names that you're like. What about that guy, you know? And then, <laughs> but then there's some other names that AJ Styles is a great example. Finn Balor is a great example. Yeah. Uh, you wanna you wanna walk in, you know, in the same step that they did. So that's the challenge. But why go to New Japan Pro Wrestling if I'm not if I'm gonna go all the way to Tokyo to do these events? If I'm gonna go to Osaka and and be part of the G1 stuff in California, it's absolutely time and place for me to test myself. I literally told the world I was so good that I'm leaving WWE because they didn't. So this would be the time to show it. Right. Other, otherwise, I'm just a big fat liar and like eight out of ten folks who leave and hit you with my favorite line of all, stay tuned for the next chapter. And then there is no next chapter. It happens so often. Yes. <laughs> oh, you, every, you all want to say it. Everyone wants to say it, but I want to make sure there is. Yeah, you know, a next chapter. On to bigger and better things. Gen- like you better know what what they are. Gender though, so there's a positive. Right. I think gender hit us with a stay tuned for the next chapter, or this isn't the end. Boom. And there not was at all. He's the king of India, and when uh, when a guy like Adam Cole leaves uh, leaves the Bullet Club, but more yeah. importantly leaves Ring of Honor, and and at the time of this recording goes on to what we only know as we're not live. Huh? No, we're live the tape. We're 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 not live, pal. But. When he goes on to be a, a, a non-contracted employee, whatever that means, rumored to be probably showing up in NXT or WWE Good. or whatever at some point, does that make you go like, oh, that was a that was a fun guy to have over on our team? That's a tough one to lose. Um, everybody's got to do what's right for them, and he he won three different Ring of Honor World Titles. I mean, he he made history for Ring of Honor. He made that his home. He provided them. A really great body of work. Uh, I, if Adam Cole ever asked me what what should I do, and I'm not saying he did, I feel like the answer is definitely go to NXT, go right. to WWE. I don't know if that's the decision he's made because you don't know. It's, you know, like it's if it's your time, you got You got to go and and hopefully, and we're seeing more and more, especially with NXT guys who already built their brand. They're kind of protected because they already built their brand. You know Roderick Strong, uh, Samoa Joe, like they, the, they didn't have to really come in and totally prove themselves. They'd already proven themselves. They'd proven themselves to be the best. Galloway, great example. They proved yes. themselves to be the best, and um, and hopefully that I, I hope that's what Adam, Adam did. I part of me though it upsets me a little because Ring of Honor is moving in such a positive direction business wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we ever do run this building with 10,000 seats that now I have promised Dave Meltzer we're going to do. I saw you open your big fat yeah, mouth. Yeah, I, I would love Adam, Adam to have been a part of that because we're doing everything we can to find a, find a suitable spot. You know. By the way, you just described uh, Adam Cole's body of work, and I cannot hear the phrase body of work. Oh, without thinking of Dusty. With, without yeah. without yeah. Stardust telling me about Dusty. That's, that's the only voice I hear the phrase body of work in. That interview we did was right before the uh, Rosenberg catastrophe interview. Well, ours ended up so well. Of course it did. <laughs> of course it did. I thought the cheap eat one was good, too. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was. Hot dog, you out of here? No. Switch it off. Was there at any point in the last year? Because I think a lot of people, and even people inside the wrestling industry, 
We're under the assumption that uh, you were uh, a part of what is known as a soft release from WWE and that there was a high likelihood of a Cody Rhodes Royal Rumble appearance. And when it didn't happen, it was like, huh. And then it just kind of kept the independent career just kept going. At any point in the last year, were on either side, were, were olive branches extended to come on back? Zero comment. Zero, oh. zero comment. Um, no, nothing, nothing. You got, were about to got, say no, something. No, no, I got nothing, nothing. No. It's weird because normally you're so no, I, uh, forthcoming with no, your answers. No, nothing. That's side note, sidebar, my wife did, uh, I, we ordered the Royal Rumble because she, she wanted to see Goldberg. <laughs> so, yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's all. I watched it. So props to Goldberg is where you're going with props that. Props to Goldberg. Yeah. Props to, props to Goldberg. When you saw uh, – I, I, I was, you know what I was watching today because this is what I spend my free time doing? I was watching the WWE Network show Rivals. That was oh, like, yeah, great you know, show. Well, you're on it Good. as one of the talking heads. And you know, I was watching the one about The Rock and John Cena. And you're talking about The Rock. And this is what I do in my free time. You're talking about The Rock in the context of being a Hollywood star and that reaction that you get yeah as as a, as a wrestler and that that can't be replaced and when you yeah saw or heard about or whatever the hardys coming back at wrestlemania this year and mm -hmm. that reaction that they received was there any part of you that was like oh yeah there is something different maybe it's not worth everything that went through but when once a year there's that stadium reaction i am missing that so in fairness, um, what do they have, like 80,000 people? Mm -hmm. And so unbelievable reaction. Um, Matt continuously posts the this clip of it, so <laughs> you can't miss Not it. Not shy about it. Um, <laughs> but he also got an unbelievable reaction the night before uh, for Supercard. Mm -hmm. And sometimes... I mean, I'm not saying no one will be able, no one should ever tell you there's anything like WrestleMania. The only thing that comes close is Wrestle Kingdom. But WrestleMania is this whole pop culture phenomenon. Um, I, I personally, especially when I see the moment, super glad for Matt because of all the work Matt did to make this, to let the whole world know about him and what he's doing. Um, but I don't know if that's really what makes it worth it. Um, if that makes any sense, that, that okay. one, you know, that one moment, uh, but maybe it is, um, I think vindication comes in all forms and maybe that was a bit, uh, vindicating for Matt. Um, I hope it was cause he earned it. Right. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I wouldn't know. I haven't walked out in front of eighty thousand people. And thought, <laughs> yeah, hey, well, Sam Roberts was right, you know. And I haven't, I haven't done that. Um, but it's not something you've even thought about, obviously. Like you don't the, actively miss it. The more I've been away, the less, uh, the less I've missed it, which shocked me because I definitely thought oh, it's gonna get me. It's gonna bite me. I'm gonna say one night, "What were you thinking?" But I think because of some of the statistic things this year, like. Um, I got to make uh, – it blew me away. I had I broke the merch record for New Japan Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome. and That's I'm pretty not, I'm not enormous. from Japan, yeah. so I a, super filled my heart. And then I've had some record crowds for some of the smaller indies that um, folks don't always go to. And um, the idea that we're going to run this 10,000-seat arena and I'm going to win my $100 bet with Dave Meltzer, like that, that, that type of stuff is more my focus now. Um, because it's doing yeah. stuff you haven't done. Yeah, and the growth rate, especially of New Japan Pro Wrestling, who's literally getting ready to run out all these United States dates, mm -hmm. um, and those shows in Long Beach selling out in 
10 minutes or whatever. Um, wrestling's good everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's good everywhere, man. Yeah, and getting that, getting a reaction in the Tokyo Dome is something that's got to be special in its own right because yeah. who would have thought that you would get, ever get that reaction in the yeah. Tokyo Dome as a quote-unquote WWE That's my favorite thing ever, getting back to the hotel and seeing all these shirts and, like, my first night and just really touching, really uh, – it's hard sometimes to be a villain when all, when all you want to do is thank you so much <laughs> for, for making this right, you know? Yeah. So. Speaking of the villain, is it an exciting thing that Marty Skrull has is, is joined your, your uh I got kind of like pretty boy heat with Marty. Tell me. Yeah, because he's like another good-looking guy and always mm -hmm. well-dressed. And that was kind of like I thought that was kind of my thing. <laughs> right. And I also <laughs> think the Bucks like him more than me. What? They, they already made like a shirt with him, and we don't have a shirt together yet. So it was kind of like – Good Plus for you, Marty. Thanks, bro. To be handsome and well-dressed, and he's got like, oh, a charming accent. Marty's the man. Marty kissed my wife at Battle of Los Angeles. Right on the lips, man. How'd you feel about that? We were out there, and it happened. Well, so. What was more offensive, <laughs> Joey Ryan beating up your wife or Marty Skrull kissing your wife? Marty. <laughs> Marty. I really, I'm really happy for Marty. I felt bad because in Hammerstein, I was – Legit sweating bullets about the triple threat, and they're having all this fun in the ring with his damn umbrella, and, and just like, and just didn't, I wasn't really part of it. And then the next night in Philly, I wasn't really part of the reception either. Yeah, Marty has his own bullet club, I think. And he I'm does. not, You're I'm not just, invited. I'm kind of in it. Yeah, it's not that cool. I retweet Marty's stuff, so that's how you know I like him. I see, yeah. and he hasn't blocked you, not yet. So that's how you know he likes Oof. you. I hope. Yeah, I like Marty. Are you, uh, are you offended by the revival? A lot of people. <laughs> A lot of people, when I posted that this was happening again, one of the top questions was like, hey, what do you think about the revival? <laughs> Some guy last night at House of Hardcore stood up on his chair, mm -hmm. and when it was relatively quiet, dropped the F the revival at me, <laughs> and I didn't, I just gave him like a, gotcha. All right. Uh, uh, zero comment. On, zero uh, comment zero on that, com too? Uh, okay, so revival, here's, here's one thing. I took the Bucks side on this, and here's my logic behind it. Revival has had some absolutely bang-up, amazing performances on these NXT specials. Right. Okay. The Bucks have these bang-up, unbelievable performances almost every night. When you're in developmental, and this is not a knock on NXT, it's developmental because you don't get a check for live events, and you're not on the road. That is why it's development. It doesn't mean it's less than. NXT is obviously incredibly incredibly hot it's mm -hmm. super super cool and they do great things there but when you have a month a month straight knowing of your match and you're in a school wrestling school for a month straight every day that better be the best match anyone's ever seen whereas the bucks show up with two hours and throw together the best match they've ever seen all it does for me is just makes me want to see the guys wrestle that i i want to see and that's the test, that's the difference when people are like, don't call NXT developmental. The difference is doing it every single night. Right. Not being in a wrestling school, doing it every single night. That is the difference. That's why it's called developmental. It doesn't mean Samoa Joe, who was not in NXT anymore, or Bobby Roode or developmental talent. Those guys are stars. But the difference is being on the road. That's the difference, which they've all been. But that's why it's developmental and one is called the main roster. So it all It's going to be a very controversial answer. 
I like NXT <laughs> I, as far as I know. But that's why when people are like, oh, the Revival is better than the Bucks or the Bucks are better than the Revival, I think the Bucks are hands down the best tag team in the world because they can do it with anybody. But that's what it all comes anybody. down to. It's just yeah. you supporting your, your yeah. young Bucks. You and Hot Dog could go out there now mm-hmm. and the Bucks could come out and they would lead you to a, I hate to say it, but like a five-star performance. You know well, well like who's to say that I couldn't I'm do it? I'm pretty sure the Revival would just beat beat you half to death <laughs> yeah. and not yeah so that's that's my love for the bucks is they do it they can do it like that whereas you know a lot you hear about some of these nxt matchups well they should be the best match you've ever seen they've had a month to go over it right i see you know what is your uh what is your your viewpoint on your role in tna and how much are you invested in that is that is that something where you're going out there and just like, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for my performance, and that's it? Um, or my, do you go like, guys, my, like we obviously – because TNA has a lot of potential, right? Yeah. And they have a lot of guys. Mario that, is on impact now. Right. Freaking Mario, man. Good for Mario. But Create for, a pro alumni. Yes. Wrestle pro superstar. I love yes. Mario. Kevin Matthews is on there too. Uh, I'm more of a Mario You're guy. more of a Mario yeah, Bokara yeah, guy. Okay. I like okay. Kevin Matthews. But yeah. there, are, there, are, there are a lot of guys. And even – but even – the I Hardys thing, where like the Hardys are obviously this force in pro wrestling, yeah. And I would think that a wrestling company would do literally, and I'm an outsider, but I would think that a wrestling company would do literally everything in their power to keep that thing that is so hot under their roof, right? Logically, Log- it depends. I mean, do it, I think Jeff maybe has a different vision uh, for Impact overall, or maybe. Uh, Matt and Jeff's visions just didn't coincide. I really like You're Jeff. talking about Jeff Jarrett. Yes, I really like Jeff Jarrett. I really want to wrestle Jeff Jarrett. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've made that clear to him every time I speak, but I, I'm a big fan of Jeff Jarrett. Um, when it comes to impact, I usually stick to myself as far as I just try to bring what I do everywhere just to just to the, the impact scene. Gotcha. It is hard to get on board with set like, oh, well, this time it's – this reboot's better than the last reboot. When I met Dixie Carter, I loved Dixie Carter. When I met Billy, I loved Billy. When I met Jeff, I love I love Jeff. But it's only so many times you can hear now's the now we're making we're marching on everybody. Right. So I just hey, it, it's a fun a fun show. It's on Pop TV, and I just try to be be a part of that. Um, right. I currently have no more dates left with uh, TNA with it with with TNA or Impact, Impact or Wrestling. I currently have no more dates left. Um, but I, there's only one person at Impact I don't like. Who? Bernie, who operates the gate. Why don't you like Bernie? Um, he seems like a good guy. I had to. I told Sanjay Dutt in a, just the longest text message of all time <laughs> how much I almost didn't do an Impact taping because of Bernie at the gate. Do you know? Does anyone know about Bernie at the gate? Do you guys know? I think Bernie? other people really don't like. She doesn't work for Impact. She works for Universal. Bernie is a woman. She Bernie is a woman, and. Uh, <laughs> Okay. And uh, she, uh, she insists that not only at the gate did they tell you you can't drive on, which we know opposite because we do have to go do the, the show. Um, she, <laughs> yeah. she then insists that you go through a thorough security check. I understand the safety precautions of NBC Universal, but Bernie is the woman. If, you, if I never appear on Impact again, it's Bernie's fault. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Getting out of the car getting patted down, all your bags getting checked through. You know, how dangerous is an American flag jacket? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, Bernie. Now I, you guys know some re- – Bernie. Bernie. She doesn't even work for Impact. Not yeah. even – yeah, hates me. 
That's the other thing. Everybody else drives by. Uh-huh. You know? oh, but you get Everybody stopped. else drives by. And, like, me and Brandy are out there with all our bags and, like, well, they need to take the shuttle. Like, well, you gave us these passes. Maybe Bernie's just yeah. trying to get a piece, and she's yeah. jealous that you're there with your wife. Well, she's I've seen Bernie giving me some looks. Maybe. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Maybe. Maybe. Or she's just tired of, like, she's just trying yeah. to man the parking lot. Everybody else. on podcasts and talking shit about her. Everybody else I worked with at Impact, Dutch, Jeff, uh, Karen, Bob, everybody, I really enjoyed. I, I think they all have something really valuable to offer any talent if you'll listen, and I enjoyed them. What brand do you think uh, has more growth potential, Impact or Ring of Honor? That's why would you ask? That's a good question. Ha- Isn't um, that a great question? People want to know. I mean – I, I could guess what your answer would be. Yeah, why on, don't you guess? I would think that based on the fact that you specifically said I, Ring of Honor has growth potential, I can't wait to see them grow, and Impact is full of nice people, then it would be pretty clear that Ring of Honor is the company that's growing and Impact is the company that is a fun show, as you described it. That would, would be, is what I would infer from this interview, but I, to who be, am I to put to words To be in fair, that? the partnership between Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling also makes that kind of an easy answer um roh always has has grown just in the time i've been there but in the few years preceding me coming has grown at the absolute right level they've never tried to be bigger but at this point now with exclusivity deals with the young bucks and the in-house talent that ring of honor has not bringing people in random on the you know flyby uh, i would say and to be fair ring of honor has a the, the better chance if you could i mean they're currently i think doing it they they're very uh, to, to, to see what ring of honor does i i'm always marvel at how their shows are done and and just the experience that they give uh, give fans i love it from to, from bottom to top i love what ring of honor does if you could give one thing one element of improvement to ring of honor what 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 do you think ring of honor needs cuz i don't I don't think it's talent. Like, I don't think there's a no. name that if you put in Ring of Honor, it would do better. Because take, anybody that goes to those live shows... Take the risk. That's what I think. And that's what, is what, the, what is the risk? That's what they've heard from me. Take, take, take the risk. The uh, Meltzer risk? Yeah. The run 10, run a 10,000 seat arena. Yeah. Um, uh, all these... Uh, the Sinclair Broadcasting is so good about... You, the TV is everywhere, but the TV needs to be uniform everywhere. Take the risk. More international. Roll the dice. Mm-hmm. Um, if it don't work, blame me and the Bucks. But uh, I, I don't think... Uh, I think people are ready to see Ring of Honor in a more prominent light. Because um, sometimes you're just like, oh, he's at Ring of Honor. He's really good. But you haven't watched Ring of Honor yes, TV. Or exactly. I think their pay-per-view, that last pay-per-view, a War of the World stands for itself. Um, WWE being more of the entertainment side of sports entertainment. Yep. And Ring of Honor being kind of more of the sports side of sports entertainment. Um, there's no reason why WWE, and I, I, I'm not trying to knock because I know I see you getting hot. I'm not getting hot. <laughs> um, th- there's no reason that Ring of Honor shouldn't be able to compete with anybody. That's New Japan Pro Wrestling, who they're partners with, but they should be, they should be talked about in a very, very high light. I just want them to take the risk. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I can't pay for the 10,000 seat the venue totally by myself. No. So I need, Do I we need know some what of their money. Do we know what venue it's going to be? No. Do we know what city it's going to be in? In the Midwest. Yeah, oh, in the Midwest. Midwest. Yeah. All right. Well, look, Cody. This is really hypothetical. So, like, well, I know I just started yeah. on Twitter like a few yeah, days yeah, ago. This is hypothetical. Like, and it's over a hundred dollar bet. <laughs> yeah. So, which is like some of these buildings have a hundred and fifty thousand dollars rent, 
and this is over a hundred dollar bet. I can't wait to see the people who have to incur the cost of that for Ring of Honor, because you'll be if it doesn't work, you'll be going like, ah, I owe Mouser a hundred bucks, and they're like, we just put all <laughs> well, of our money down on this building. Yeah, <laughs> I won't if it doesn't go if it doesn't go well, I won't sell it too hard. Just I'll, <laughs> I'll just get out real quick, you know. And if but if it does if if, if this thing works out with ten thousand seats, I would. If it works out, we're gonna we're gonna get our own out. plane. We're gonna <laughs> do everything. We're gonna do everything that Jim Crockett Promotions did, and we'll just we'll end up doing the exact same thing. Well, yeah. I could I'm I'm sure talk to you for hours, but you've, you're here at work. You've got things to do. You've got autographs to sign and people to do wrestle. Um, it's five twenty six. That's right. So it's about my to wife start. sent me a text to see what she said. What did she say? Well, I have to read it. Well, I'd like to find out. I don't know what to eat before getting on the road. <laughs> there you go. What do you, what what is the answer? Uh, nutrition I tips. I would say like Road's since you're going to be on the road, tips. on the road it's mainly snacks, even like your protein and stuff that you pick up so probably something substantial you'd want to eat. Right. You know. But that's not an, something substantial is maybe the worst response you could give because it's totally non-specific. Look at some of these texts. These are some weird texts. Let me you see if I can Claudio is asking me Zelda ending question mark. He wants to know how I felt about the narrative of the end of, of the of end. The, of Zelda. Is that for Switch? Unfulfilled, unfulfilled. Did you guys beat? Did anyone beat Breath anyone of the Wild? Anyone beat the new Zelda? You'll no. F- it's a bit unfulfilling. The game's amazing. The ending is a bit unfulfilling because it's like post-apocalyptic. So here, oh Zelda and Link are good. Everyone else is dead. Right. You know. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And last but not least, let's see if I can show you. Look at this family photo. Look at that. See, I was, that. Hoping, I was hoping to find You guys that. need to tell Pat at WrestlePro to book Pharaoh, my dog. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. He's, what would you book the dog to He do? makes appearances. He gets in the ring, he'll too sweet you. If you go to really? too sweet him, he, he pats your hand and everything. It's like, is it yeah. like when Teddy Hart used to walk around with his cat and throw uh, it in the air? Now I don't want to book him anymore. Different. Now I don't want to book him anymore. <laughs> now I don't want to book him. Hey, be- before I let you Sorry, go. Sorry, Pharaoh. Before I let you go, this is – the Bullet Club, to me, is very much in the culture of what – you were w- once and might still be very against, which is that sort of wrestling, backstage wrestling terminology being used. Meta-level wrestling. The, yeah, meta-level gotcha. wrestling is the Bullet Club to its T, right down to those two suites. Like, that's what, to me, it's about. It's, it's this kind of, yeah. thing that we know about that yeah. other people don't know about yeah. because they're not in the inner circle. Right. Which is the language that, that you... Hate. Hate when yeah. fans use that sort of inner circle, even though on Twitter you said you were going to bury me. Um, uh, bury is. Oh, I guess it is. Yeah, you did yeah, say. Yeah. Um, so so how do you, how do you uh, manage that? I think everybody's different. I think um, the Bucks are really at that meta level. The, the humor, what they do in the, uh, in the ring, it's, it's their thing. Um, and I think that's the cool thing about the Bullet Club. Everybody very different. Right. You know, the being the elites are kind of – more on that insider skew, but everyone being very different. Kenny being so different. Marty being so different. Uh, myself, Tama. I mean, like everybody so different. So I just try to be exactly how I am. My weird conservative views. But just I pair up with, you know, that's how I want the best of it all. Right. You know, one one way doesn't always work. Uh, so when I w- wrestle with the Bucks, I try to do a little bit of the bucks. And when I'm in there by myself, I try to remember kind of what my fundamentals and foundation is. I think that's what makes the group cool. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. Yeah. And the basic uh, ending question is, what do you want to do going forward? What do you see? Uh, because we knew before we had a list. We could check it off with yeah. you. 
the names are checked. Like what? Roderick Strong didn't get checked. Well, it doesn't look Sad. like that's happening anytime nope. soon. But uh, especially after that big no comment, we I got don't know. Maybe talk, maybe question. talk to your boy. Maybe talk <laughs> to your boy. I know Roderick Strong. Yeah. But um, what what it, what are are there goals? Are there things that we want to do going forward? I thought about making a new list. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like. I don't want it to, like, the first list was really good. And the second list would be more, there's more than just opponents. Like, obviously, we've talked about it a bunch, the 10,000-seat arena. Right. That would be on there. Um, um, Winning $100 from Meltzer. That's a big part of it. Um, (laughs) That's a big. Yeah, no, like, uh, yeah, maybe I'll make a new list. Um, There's a finality about the list, though. I kind of like the idea of you not having a list because the list was like, okay. Well, it's fine, Sam. I won't make a list. Don't make a list. The um, list was like, I'm out of WWE. So in this time, in this this time frame that I'm wrestling on the independents, because you didn't know what you were going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Now it would appear that you're just wrestling indefinitely around the world. So why would you have a list? Right? Yeah. That's a good point. You kind of shut the whole new list down. It's, it's so stupid. to answer your question about what I'm doing next, I guess I don't know. It's indefinite. <laughs> right, right. That, yeah. Um, Isn't that great that I say, like, what are you doing next? And you're like, well, and I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. I got a lot of shows. <laughs> I got a lot of shows. <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to find uh, find kind of a new, a new groove um, this year. And yeah. uh, I think a lot of people are kind of aware of what's going on and where the direction things might be heading. Well, what is it? What about the people who aren't I think, aware? I think a lot of people are aware of it. What is it? So, what do you guys uh, think it is? What am I? You mentioned the New Japan. Oh, the New US Japan title. US Championship. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff like that, and then, uh, you know, we'll we'll see where it's, see where it goes. Look at you. It you would take a lot of it would take a lot of money f- to put me on an exclusive thing, not because I want the money, because you don't want to be exclusive. I don't want to be exclusive. Um, however, you never know. Because money's awesome. <laughs> it's brandies anyway, so you know. No, I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Now I now I'm in deep thought about yeah what to do next. You gonna kind have, of ended on a somber note. Are you gonna have kids? I don't. I don't know. We currently are not having kids. Because once one, if that's a thing, I don't think I'd be a good dad. Really? No. You're gonna at least think like you. You are so. Well, what set if, in your opinion. Well, what if like my kid like didn't like Star Wars or something like that? Like that would be like a huge like. You'd have to teach him. Yeah, you can't force your ways, though. Like, really? Yeah, I don't know. I worry about things like that. We just had a kid, and the idea that he wouldn't like wrestling. Did you? Is did a you make concept. this all so that I would say congratulations? I didn't even think you would. Congratulations! Thank you. Congratulations. Well, on that note, Cody Rhodes, everybody. Thank you guys. Thank very you, much. Cody. Thank you very much. You're the Thank best. You. Here is Sam Roberts. Thanks to Cody Rhodes. You know, I always wondered how he looked so dashing, especially if he's on a budget, right? A lot of these uh, uh, sports entertainers, a lot of these wrestlers, they need to stay on a budget. So how do you how do you maintain dashing good looks and a smooth face? Well, that's easy. DollarShaveClub.com is the answer. It's the smarter choice. You get the Dollar Shave Club razor. You get your Dr. Carver shave butter. Whatever you need, it's there for you. Look, the point is, you get tired eventually of going to the drugstore to buy razor blades. Right? You can't use old razor blades because you just destroy your face. You end up looking like you have a mankind mask permanently affixed to your face. So you go to the drugstore, you replace your razors, you find out, number one, the blades are ridiculously expensive. Number two, you got to find a guy to unlock them from the thing. Number three, you got to make sure you get the right ones no more. 
use Dollar Shave Club. You get a luxurious shave at a fraction of the price, and it's delivered right to your door. You get the executive razor, which I was able to get my hands on, and you can use it with their Dr. Carver Shave Butter. The blade gently glides, and it gives you such a smooth shave. Let me explain how you can make the smarter choice, how you can join uh, Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members are going to get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of Dollar Shave Club's Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5, 5 bucks with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. It's a $15 value, and it's only 5 bucks. In your first month box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four razor cartridges, and a tube of the shave butter. After your first month, all those replacement cartridges, they ship automatically at their regular price, super inexpensive, and you never have to think about it. No hidden fees, no commitments. You cancel anytime you like, and you can only get the offer exclusively from Dollar Shave Club by going to dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. It's only five bucks. It's worth a try. We love Dollar Shave Club here at the podcast. DollarShaveClub.com slash Sam. You can let them know you heard about him here on this podcast and get the whole deal for five bucks at DollarShaveClub.com slash Sam. Really interesting chat with Cody Rhodes for sure. You do wonder, you know, that interview was done before Jinder Mahal won the heavyweight championship of the world. And you do have to wonder if that is in, that's in Cody's head at all. If the because to me, even though the gender thing has special circumstances, because you have to put it into context of WWE doing uh, business in India, so it's not like it could have just been anybody. This was specifically a gender Mahal designed thing. But that said, weird things happen. You know, I've always had a philosophy that you can't you can't get put in the game. Unless you're in the building. You got to be there to make it count. And sometimes you're not getting utilized. And and sometimes it can be a lot of time that you're not getting utilized. But if that's the goal that you have in mind to be the top dog, you can't leave the kennel. You need more analogies or do you get what I'm saying? For me, I would probably be thinking about that. I would probably be realizing, you know, and maybe... It doesn't fit as well for Cody Rhodes as it would with some other people because Cody has done so well outside of WWE that he is looked at as a top dog in the world of of wrestling just because of everything he's done with uh, uh, Ring of Honor and the Bullet Club and everything. But I still, part of me, if I were in Cody's shoes, would look at Jinder Mahal and say like, ah, you know what? I wonder if that could have been me. SmackDown is obviously doing a lot with people that weren't necessarily having a lot done with them. We remember, it started at the very beginning. We remember how much was done with with Heath Slater and Rhino. Look at what's happened since then. They're back on Raw, nothing really. But point is that they got a chance to shine. Mojo Raleigh is part of a big storyline in the Andre Battle Royal winner. The Fandango and, and Tyler Breeze have this thing going now that's one of the funnest things on SmackDown. With the fashion police and and the the, the uh, you know the law and order skits, so part of me would wonder if I had made the right decision, but hopefully that's not torturing Cody, and hopefully he's not listening to this going like, well, 
I wasn't thinking about it until you brought it up, Roberts. Roberts! Uh, but huge thanks to Cody uh, for being a part of the podcast again. It's always such a great, great chat with him. And it was great uh, getting to do it in Rawway. Hopefully some of you made it out to Rawway. Uh, it was last minute. I tweeted about it like the night before. These things tend to happen that way. I didn't know I was going to interview Cody until the night before. Uh, well, I didn't have it confirmed. I knew it was probably going to happen, but we weren't confirmed. And so the last thing I want to do is announce something on the podcast and then have it fall through and have you guys show up and then there's no thing. You know, that's, I, I really don't want that. So that's why some of these things happen at the last minute. But, well, then I tell you, that's why it's important to stay alert, to follow all the social media accounts, not Sam across the board, and be aware of that stuff when it happens because, I mean, I don't know when half this stuff is happening. Trust me, it's not like I have a ton of stuff hidden, a ton of tricks uh, tucked away in my hat that I'm waiting to, to share with you guys. I, you know when I know for sure. Uh, so th- that's the way it works, but uh, I'm glad I was able to share the interview with you on the podcast this week. Before I get into uh, Extreme Rules and my time there and everything, uh, I want to talk to you about finding the right players for your team, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, whether it's baseball, whether you're starting a wrestling roster. The key to a winning team is a strong roster, a great coach knows that having the right players comes from scouting all the right places. Finding great talent for your business is exactly the same. If you're looking to hire people right now, I'm hiring people over at my SiriusXM radio show. It's difficult to find great candidates. You don't want to have to go through this process over and over again. Sometimes, you know, you, you pick the first person who seems interested, and within 30 days, they're moving on to something else because they weren't the person you thought they were because you didn't look at enough people. Well, ZipRecruiter is going to be able to help you out with this. You don't need, you're not going to find your candidate, first of all, if you just post your job on one site, right? You need to post it on all the job sites, but who's got time for that? This is where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with one single click. Then, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your position. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them, and that's what you need. Over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in only 24 hours. You don't have to juggle emails. You don't have to juggle calls to your office. You screen, you rate, you manage your candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes nationwide and right now my listeners i love these the zip recruiter guys they're a huge support to the podcast and my listeners now can start forming their own winning team on zip recruiter for free all you do is go to zip slash sam that's zip slash sam you try it for free today at zip slash sam and not only will you be able to say that sam roberts wrestling podcast give you the most sports entertainment related entertainment of the week but we also help build you a team ziprecruiter.com slash sam uh i couldn't recommend it more so much so much to tackle inside this week's state of wrestling um from i have a i i, I think i've been thinking about it a lot i think i may have a hot take on uh wwe this week 
in terms of Raw and SmackDown. I don't know if it's controversial or not, but we'll get into it. Why don't we on State of Wrestling? It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Real quick before we start the State of Wrestling, I get asked sometimes how I manage to do the things that I do. Because I do a lot. How do I get out to Raw Way to interview Cody Rhodes and then back here and in Baltimore for Extreme Rules and do Jim Norton and Sam Roberts every morning? Well, the trick is to do what you can to get enough sleep. And when you can get sleep, make that sleep count. And one of the best ways to make that sleep count is by getting a great mattress. And the best mattress value that you could probably get, at least that I can think of, is Casper. Our friends, that's right, we have a a friend here at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast that can get you a good deal on a great mattress, and that is Casper Mattress. It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a a shockingly, shockingly fair price. Supportive memory foams create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Try the Casper for 100 nights, risk-free in your own home. You get the mattress, you can sleep on it for 100 nights. You know how many nights 100 nights is? That's over three months. By the time you're done trying out your Casper, SummerSlam will be over already. That's how long you'll get to try this thing out. If you don't love it, then they're going to pick it up and refund you for everything. You see, Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on the mattress. Free shipping, by the way, and returns to the United States and Canada with over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars. This mattress is quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. Here's what I have to offer you. I tell the people who support this podcast, I appreciate that you guys support the show. My listeners appreciate that you guys support the show, but I need you to throw something the listeners' way. So this is what they have for you. $50 toward any mattress purchase. You get $50 off a Casper mattress by visiting casper.com slash Roberts and using offer code Roberts. Casper.com slash Roberts. Offer code Roberts. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome to the state of wrestling. So I do want to say, you know, I was in Baltimore, obviously, for Extreme Rules uh, over the weekend. Uh, it was great to do the kickoff show. A couple of hostile moments, huh? Some tense moments. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. You know, I, I don't know if you guys uh, like to believe that everything that happens in the WWE is very heavily scripted, but I'll tell you, not much, not anything really that I can think of that I've done with WWE in the months that I've been uh, working with them has been heavily scripted at all. I did not know that Nia Jax was going to take umbrage with me when I questioned her about uh, Alexa Bliss. I did not know she was going to threaten me the way she threatened me. I'll tell you this, Nia Jax, she's a beautiful woman. She's an intimidating presence. You don't want to mess with this woman. That's why I, I maybe I clammed up a little bit. I also didn't catch until I saw all the tweets that you guys sent me. Uh... The, the look that Kurt Angle gave me when I said that I wanted to ask him about the text message. You know, I was really planning on bringing it up, but we ran out of time. That's really all that they they guide us through. People always want to know, what are they saying in your headset? Well, they're just saying, hey, we got to wrap it up. Hey, we got 30 seconds left. And, you know, Kurt's already answering somebody else's question. There's only 30 seconds left on the show. They got to start the pay-per-view. That's what people want to see. So I didn't, unfortunately, have time to ask him about the the raw text message scandal, but I did see his face when I brought it up, and it was none too pleasant. 
it was none too pleasant. So it was it was fun. And I will tell you this: Baltimore was a, a, a far not that I had low expectations, but I guess I just didn't know Baltimore to be one of the big wrestling cities. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong, um, or maybe I was just uninformed. But the crowd was incredible. I mean, all night they were loud. They were on fire. Even when we were doing the pre-show, like. Renee made mention of it off the air that like it was incredible how loud everybody was and it really was at one point in in the kickoff I was having trouble hearing what I was saying because the whole crowd was chanting uh, let's go Roman Roman sucks and it's really cool when you get a crowd that's that loud before the show like because when we're doing the kickoff show I don't mean during the match I mean when we're just talking and when we're just talking on the kickoff show, there's not much going on in the arena. It's just people getting ready, finding their seats, getting whatever, getting a beer, like whatever it is. People finding their spots and sitting down and waiting for the show to start. So the fact that they were that amped for the show to start and none of their energy dwindled at all as the show went on was really impressive. It was a, um, a cheer of the bad guys town though. Not a lot of love for the good guys, which, you know, I always say boo the bad guys. That's my philosophy on things. But for the most part, it was a lot of cheering for the bad guys in Baltimore. And I guess Baltimore was smart because I was surprised. And it's actually one thing I liked about the pay-per-view was that it kind of defied conventional booking in the sense that except for the Sasha Banks match, all bad guys won. Save for the Sasha Banks match, only bad guys won won the night you're talking about a, a Miz title win you're talking about a Cesaro and Sheamus title win uh Neville retaining his title Samoa Joe winning the main event I mean it was bad guy after bad guy after bad guy uh which I didn't expect that's one of the reasons like I thought that either Dean Ambrose or the Hardys would lose I didn't really think that they would both lose I thought that they would want you know one of those two teams to leave the hero just to make sure people left happy or whatever. But I was I was pleasantly surprised that both of those groups lost, even though they're, you know, the good guys. Because I thought storyline-wise, in both cases, it made more sense. That's kind of what I was trying to get at. And what I do hear from fans about the Hardys is that the question sort of popped up, like, wait a minute, you know, there's not that many people. One, A couple of tweets came in like when I brought up the thing about winning streaks. And I was like, you know, everybody's got to lose sometime. And they were like, no, Asuka. And I was like, okay, the one person. Everybody except Asuka has to lose at some point. So, you know, and, and, and I thought that if Sheamus and Cesaro lose, you know, where would they go from there? And the same thing with, with Miz. It, it was almost like, I, here's what I liked about the Miz thing. The thing that I liked about Miz winning was he didn't win in the way that we expected him to. Like, we all kind of expected him to just take advantage of that uh, disqualification rule and then win via DQ. And he did take advantage of the disqualification rule, but the fact that he didn't win via DQ was just a little, like, it, it was a little bit of work. It, it took a finish that could have been kind of lazy and added something to it. Which I love, because you don't have to do that. That's like that's detail stuff that's important, but you can get away with not doing it. So when it does get done, I get happy about it. Um, so I loved, I, I really like the finish of that match. 
uh, like I said, I thought the the cage match was good, and I liked that uh, Sheamus and Cesaro won. Uh, I enjoyed the uh, idea that the people had to escape. You know, there was a great tag team steel cage match. It was either I, I'm I'm literally remembering it in my mind's eye as I sit here talking to you. I want to say it was on an episode of Raw, but I think it was on. They used to do in the early '90s. Every now and then, they would put on like a special on USA, and it would sometimes be like right before a big pay per view or whatever it was. But I believe it was the Steiner. It was definitely the Steiner brothers, and it might have been the Steiners versus the Quebecers inside a steel cage. Is it? You know what? Now that I think about it, I think it was the Steiners versus Money Inc. Inside a steel cage. It was either Money Inc. or the Quebecers versus the Steiners. Inside the cage, it was the big blue bar cage. Um, And it was on USA. It was not on a pay-per-view. And it was either an episode of Raw or one of those specials that they aired before a pay-per-view. But that had the same rules where both members of the team had to escape the cage. And I, I think that that's the most compelling way that you can do a match like that. When you've got a tag team cage match... Um, I never, never have been a fan of pinfalls and submissions inside the cage. I know that traditionally the idea of the cage is that nobody gets in, nobody gets out. So what makes sense is for a pinfall or submission to happen inside the cage because it's supposed to be a a match where, okay, no more questions. This guy is obviously the winner, no interference. So you're not supposed to be able to escape it at all. But there's just something about it. Like I, I like a cage match where somebody escapes by going over the top of the cage. I've always liked it. Maybe it's because it's what I grew up with. You know, growing up as a kid, all those matches that were in the big blue bar steel cage, those were all escape by going over the top. People didn't even really use the door back then. They would all escape climbing up over the top and onto the floor. And those are the ones that I like. Those are the cage matches that I like. So it was fun... The stipulation for that match uh, was a good one, and it added to it. And the fact that both team members had to get out, it kind of gives you this out where, and I know it goes against the the what a cage match is supposed to be, but I don't care either. I think it's okay that there's this out where you can, you're not necessarily tied to this team having a loss, meaning... The fact that Jeff Hardy actually got out of the cage really early and there were shenanigans and the Hardy boys were right behind Sheamus and Cesaro and Sheamus and Cesaro never pinned the Hardys mean that there's still that argument of, well, I don't know, maybe the Hardys can beat Sheamus and Cesaro. So it doesn't damage the Hardys as much as like a pinfall or submission would. So I thought that was good. I thought the stipulation was good. I thought the whole thing was well done. Um, A couple, the only, and, and I, the main event was so good. The Fatal Five Way was awesome, and I think that even though some people predicted Samoa Joe would win, and even though the the betting odds that I saw online, the betting odds had Samoa Joe as winning this thing. Those he was the odds-on favorite. I still think it was one of those things where you didn't actually expect them to go through with it. Like, it made sense that Samoa Joe would win. It felt like Samoa Joe would win, but you were like, they're not really going to let Samoa Joe win this match, are they? And he did it in such a way, it's 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 tough with Samoa Joe because he's so cool that the inclination is to cheer him. So the fact that, that they teased 
Finn Balor winning that match. And then Samoa Joe came in and acted as the spoiler, kind of maintained his bad guyness, which I think was artfully done and 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 is important. You know, it's the only way to 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 get that to make that character work. Like if he's too cool, then he start first of all he'll start doing the worm. He'll come out with Grandmaster Sexay and Rikishi. No, if he's if 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 Samoa Joe's too cool, he's going to get cheered. You have to do what you can to stop him from getting cheered and one of those ways is to take your other cool guy and have him get the rug pulled out from under him you thought for a second he was going to beat roman reigns again and then boom here comes samoa joe to spoil the party which is the the right role for samoa joe to be in so that was great um the problems with the show you know i think that the 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 bailey alexa bliss whole story was kind of a miscue it's interesting and I guess credit to the WWE, but what else could they do? That they're acknowledging that the This Is Your Life Bailey segment did not work. They brought it up on Raw. They brought it up on the pay-per-view. That they, they're, they are giving credence to the fact that that was not a good segment on Raw. Um, so I And I like when they do stuff like that. It reminds you that they are paying attention. It reminds you that they are aware of what the feedback is. Because if they just went forward... And they were just like, uh, you know, yeah, that was what happened. That here's the story. Then it's like, it's almost as if it's happening in a vacuum. If you don't acknowledge when something really doesn't work, then the audience starts to feel like, why are we even here? So the fact that that it was acknowledged is, I think, the best thing you can do when a segment doesn't go well. That said, I still think that like Bailey's being a little bit misplayed right now. You know, let's keep in mind that. Bailey, this is what I always think about when I watch Bailey now. I think about the match at NXT Takeover Brooklyn one, the first one between Bailey and Sasha Banks. That was before the Iron Man match. That match happened on a card where Finn Balor and Kevin Owens fought in a ladder match for the NXT Championship. And the Bailey Sasha Banks match is the match that stole the show. Now, Bailey and Sasha Banks right now, they get criticized for what they're doing on the main roster at the moment. And I think sometimes people forget what those two women are capable of and what they have accomplished in other scenarios. And I think it has to do, you know, I, I wanted to see Bailey in this match. I think what made the match fall a little bit short was that, number one, it was literally short. It was a short match. It didn't seem that difficult for Alexa Bliss to win. But really, it's that we never got the payoff from Bailey. I wanted Alexa Bliss to win. I think Alexa Bliss is an amazing Raw Women's Champion. I think Alexa Bliss is like an amazing, amazing talent. And I, I've said this before, but Alexa is going to go down as one of the great female talents. I mean, there's something... She's almost... She's reminiscent of Trish in a certain way in the sense that she's small and gorgeous. So you wouldn't necessarily expect her to be that good. But I think she's so young. She's a, she's more of a natural WWE superstar. She's more of a natural wrestler, I'll say. She's more of a natural wrestler than Trish Stratus was. And that probably has to do with the fact that she spent as much time as she did at the Performance Center and in NXT. But Alexa Bliss is, like, incredible, and she should be 
the Raw Women's Champion. I think it adds a lot of credibility to the title. I think that just her injection, now it's like you can have matches where, you know, the Nia Jax-Alexa Bliss match is something very interesting to me because it's the reverse of, of David versus Goliath because David is the bad guy. It's crazy. You can have Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James, that whole thing. Eventually, I want to see what we haven't really seen much of, which is Alexa Bliss versus Sasha Banks. That's a women's championship feud. That's great. But what I wanted to see out of this story was more of Bailey kind of not leaving behind almost that she's lost in this dream. Because to be honest, a lot of the people on the WWE roster are living a dream. You know, Seth Rollins is living a dream. Finn Balor's living a dream. AJ Styles, I'm sure, is living a dream. A lot of these guys grew up. Maybe not AJ Styles. I think in the interview we did with him, he said he didn't grow up watching. But Dolph Ziggler, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens. We talked to Kevin Owens on this podcast a few months ago. He talked about what a fan he was growing up. A lot of these guys were major, major, major fans growing up. But what we see is not somebody who's lost in the fact that they're doing their dream job, but has moved past the amazement that they've made it to the dance and are now ready to really do the dream job, which is to make an impact. And that's what I want to see with Bailey's character a little bit. This idea that she's not lost in the fact that she's living her dream. In the, I'm talking about strictly the character. Like, how great would it have been? Just just in terms of, of poetry, how great would it have been to see Bailey pull out her side ponytail in that kendo stick match? How great would that have been? If, like, Alexa Bliss is almost laughing because what's, what's, what's Bailey going to do? Bailey's not really going to hit her. And then she pulls out her side ponytail. And she gets hardcore. She gets extreme. Maybe we could have seen a little bit of uh, of old school Tommy Dreamer. Thank you, sir. May I have another? I mean, kick the crap out of Alexa Bliss. I mean, uh, out of Bailey. You could beat up Bailey somewhat close to what happened to Mankind getting beat up by The Rock at the Royal Rumble in their I Quit match. I know this is a kendo stick match, not an I Quit match, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Like... If the story here is that Bailey can't get extreme because there was no payoff because what we found out, I, I am now working under the assumption that the character I know as Bailey does not have the ability to get extreme, does not have that fire in her, the character. And and I think that that's not really what you want out of a good guy. You know, you, you don't want to just see somebody who's made it to your dream job. You want to see somebody living that dream. And part of living the dream is to not act like, whoa, this is my dream job. Part of living your dream is to take on the role, to become this superstar. And that's what I want to see from the Bailey character. Not full-time. I don't want Bailey to forget this sort of fun-loving. You know, I want the tube men back the next Monday. All the tube men to come back. There ain't no I want it all back on Monday. But on Sunday, in the match, for a moment, I want Bailey to forget how happy she is to be there. And I want to see Bailey get upset. 
So that's what I was missing in that match. And then I also took uh, a bit of an issue with the cruiserweight match because it didn't make sense to me that a submission match would have a count out or disqualification. You know, that to me took away from the whole thing. Like, and I guess I'm a hypocrite because it's what a cage match is supposed to be too, but a submission match is supposed to be this thing where one person must submit. And that wasn't the case in this match. If one person didn't submit, they could be counted out. They could be disqualified. You know, I don't know that there's much of a difference between an I quit match and a submission match, except that in a submission match, we're expected to see submission holds. And in an I quit match, it's more just beat you up until you quit. But either way, I've never heard of a disqualification or a count out in a submission match, it doesn't make sense. And I guess the idea is that, well, you can lose by count out, but you have to win by submission. And it's like, no, because if you lose by count out, the other guy wins by your count out. So I did take issue with that. But I think the pay-per-view was pretty good. It, it, it I, I think it beat a lot of people's expectations for it. And I think if we're being fair, you know, they made a lot of big steps. Like I said, the Intercontinental, the tag titles... Um, and the, and Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe winning that fatal five way, extreme rules, fatal five way. That's thought that was really cool. Um, and, and my take, what I was talking about before state of wrestling this week, it was a little controversial as I'm watching both shows this week, raw and SmackDown, I start thinking to myself, you know, I think, I think I enjoyed Raw more than SmackDown this week. And that might be the first time I've said that since the draft. The draft was almost a year ago. The draft was about 11 months ago, if my math is right, and it usually is. The draft was about 11 months ago, and in that time, I believe this week might be the first week that I'm saying I think I enjoyed Raw more than I enjoyed SmackDown. Now, it depends, I guess on how you rate these things. Because if you take the average of every segment on Raw, it gets lowered because there's a lot of filler that ends up being on Raw. But the highest of highs on Raw were much higher for me than the highest of highs on SmackDown. I personally think that uh, Nakamura is a character that uh, has to be treated a little bit delicately at the moment to really get across the fact that he's a rock star. Because I like the fact that he's a rock star. But it's like I said with Bray Wyatt. Nakamura shouldn't be wrestling every week. Nakamura should not be wrestling on television every single week. One of the things that made Finn Balor's universal title match at SummerSlam such an event was that he didn't wrestle a lot leading to SummerSlam on Monday Night Raw. You know, and SmackDown, you've got enough guys, especially leading to a Money in the Bank match. I guess the thinking must be that people are not familiar with Nakamura because, you know, you can't assume that the majority of people who watch SmackDown are watching NXT stuff because they're not. I mean, the numbers don't add up. But that said, still, you know, you can. I, I think Nakamura should be a presence on SmackDown every week. And maybe not even give him an entrance every week, but just I, I just do different stuff with him because the entrance is special, 
and I think his matches need to be built to be made to look special. I also think he needs to be more hard-hitting, Nakamura. Um, I think he needs to be more hard-hitting because that's that's kind of what makes him so special, is this uh, uh, yin and yang of the character where he's this sort of graceful Michael Jackson dancing artist guy who then kicks the crap out of you. And I'm missing a little bit of that kick the crap. A little bit. I, I couldn't be more excited that he's on the show. I just think that that I'm I'm so attached to the characters, the thing. I'm a huge, huge Shinsuke Nakamura fan. And what I want to see is for him to be like, you know, I know we always go back to The Undertaker. We always go back to The Undertaker in terms of characters. Because as far as characters go, The Undertaker is the end-all, be-all. And I've said a million times that if Bray Wyatt were used differently, we could be looking at an Undertaker-like character, and I still believe that. But I I believe that about Nakamura, believe it or not. Nakamura has an Undertaker-like vibe in the sense where when he is really in deep in that character, it's all you see. When he is really entrenched as Shinsuke Nakamura, you don't see Shin. You know, you don't see a, just a, a dude. You see Shinsuke Nakamura, the rock star that is being advertised to us, when he is fully entrenched in that character, becomes evident and there's nobody else there. It's just that character. So, you know, that said, I think that that's what you have to kind of develop. That's that's the character that you have to uh, 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 present. And, I, and, and a Money in the Bank match is a good place for him. Because he can come in, he can do his big spots, and then he can kind of disappear. You know, I don't think Nakamura's going to win the Money in the Bank ladder match. I don't think he'd be a good person to have the briefcase. I mean, it would be interesting because then his music could hit and he could have all kinds of false starts to uh, cashing in his briefcase. But, you know, there's definitely ways you could go with it. But I, I don't think he'll win the match. I just think that it'll be a good spot to display him. Um so I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think it'll be I think it'll be good, but I do think that uh Nakamura uh Nakamura, you know, uh 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 just is displayed as more of this sort of enigmatic. Enigmatic is the word. There are points on SmackDown where I see Nakamura as a human being, and I don't want to anymore. I want him to see him as an enigma. An enigma. He's not like Edge, for instance. Edge Edge was a rock star, but he was a human being, and that worked for the Edge character. The Edge character is one of my favorite characters ever. But there was something human about him. He was the ultimate opportunist. you know. I And by the way, I never saw Adam Copeland when I watched Edge, whether it was on SmackDown, whether it was on Raw, when he was wrestling, especially at the peak of, of, of him, when he was in his feud with John Cena, which is probably John Cena's best rivalry, in my opinion, in terms of full-out rivalries, and maybe that's a bigger discussion that we can all have, but I never saw Adam Copeland. I always saw Edge. But that said, Edge had a more human feel to him. Nakamura shouldn't. And so that's 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 my my thoughts on that. I, I'm not doing a bad job of it. Don't get me wrong. 
not doing a bad job of what's going on with Nakamura. I just want to, I, I just hope that he doesn't get humanized as we go forward. Um, I think the real reason, and, and, and Owens versus Nakamura, I think, should have felt like more of a giant match. Anytime Nakamura, because Nakamura is also, so there's similarities between him and Undertaker. There's also similarities between, can be, between him and Brock Lesnar in the sense that wrestling fans, the hardcore wrestling fans, anytime Nakamura wrestles at this moment, it's like a fantasy match. Anytime he shows up on the main roster, it's like a fantasy match. So even though Nakamura versus Kevin Steen already happened, the idea of Nakamura versus Kevin Owens in a WWE ring is a fantasy match. The idea of AJ Styles versus Nakamura in a WWE ring is a fantasy match. Even Sami Zayn versus Nakamura. Brock Lesnar versus Nakamura, forget about it. John Cena versus Nakamura, forget about it. Seth Rollins versus Nakamura. Like, all these matches are fantasy matches. And I think if Shinsuke is going to wrestle regularly... It should be in more showcase matches, you know. Put him in there with Aiden English. Put him in there with, uh, with, with, with whoever. Maybe Eric Rowan. That could be like because Eric Rowan's got a little bit of character, so and and he's a big guy. So Nakamura's got to pull out some different stuff. But it's still at the end of the day a showcase match for Nakamura. You can put him in there with one of the members of the Ascension. You know, they're all those types of people. Not not taking anything away from them. But just to just to showcase him, even if you put him in there with jobbers, put him in there with extra talent. I don't mind that at all. But just so it's more of a showcase and not like, I just don't think he should be treated like everybody else on the roster. Because if we want to believe he's special, I'd like to see him as as special. Um, but the reason why I really thought that Raw was maybe a better show than SmackDown this week. And it doesn't take anything away from SmackDown because uh, I, I think people are... Here's the thing. People are a little critical of Lana getting the women's championship match at Money in the Bank. But listen, the fact that Lana's even on TV is a win. When was the last time we saw character vignettes for a superstar and the superstar actually debuted and we actually saw that superstar come out? What was it? Emelina? No. Brodus Clay? No. Beaver Cleavage didn't last. You know, when was the last time? Oh, coming soon. Da 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 da. And it actually panned out in a cool way. What? Maybe Kofi Kingston was probably the last one. Right? So, you know, I, I like that she's even on the show. And yeah, I mean, character wise, storyline wise, does she deserve a title match? Of course she doesn't deserve a title match. But if you watch Talking Smack, that's acknowledged. I think that's part of the story is that she doesn't deserve the match, but Naomi insisted upon it. So I don't mind that she's there, and I'm interested to see uh, what the lady can do. I want to see how Lana does. You know, it's a, it's a ballsy thing because in a, in a six-way ladder match, if you had just thrown her into the Money in the Bank match, you could have disguised any shortcomings by just giving her a couple spots and, and then having her disappear for a while. But in a one-on-one -on -one match with somebody as athletic as Naomi, that's gonna be. There's a lot to display there, so I think that that I'm more I'm I'm intrigued personally by that match. I don't think it's a, a lousy choice at all. I'm 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 interested to see what Lana has to offer. Uh, but the reason why I think Raw might have been better is because 
some of the segments on Raw were so, so great. You know, we talk about the uh, This Is Your Life Bailey segment. But think about how much better the Miz celebration segment was than This Is Your Life. And, you know, we talked in depth about what went wrong with This Is Your Life, and everybody on the internet talked about it too. And I don't have a problem with that, but we should also acknowledge when segments go right. And the Miz segment was really good. And it really, you could hear the crowd. The crowd was along with it, and it took us for a ride. Everybody knew Ambrose was going to come out. And it was almost like you saw the bear in the ring. And I thought it, everybody thought it. They were like, oh, Ambrose is in that costume. And to me, when the bear was in the ring, I was like, why wouldn't you, if you're going to go this route, why don't you put a bunch of characters in the ring? Why don't you, why are you making this so obvious? Again, I, my, my gut was, oh, Ambrose is in there. This, is, this feels lazy to me. And then when Ambrose wasn't in there, I was like, oh, yeah. And then when the box came out, I was like, okay, now we're having fun. Now we're having fun because I don't think Ambrose is in that box, but I don't know where I know I don't know where he's going to come from. And like he beats up the grandfather clock. I thought that was great. I thought the whole Miz segment was great. And we shouldn't be excited about another Dean Ambrose Miz match, right? We should it's not, we shouldn't be excited that that match is going to happen again. But it's the same thing with the John Cena uh, uh, storyline. On paper, no one was excited about John Cena and Nikki Bella versus The Miz and Maurice. When we heard that that was the rumored match for WrestleMania, it was like, what? And then when we saw the buildup, the work, the storyline work that John Cena and The Miz put into that match, both of them, sold, sold, sold across the board. And I think the same thing is going on with the Dean Ambrose story. That on paper, you shouldn't be happy with it. On paper, I shouldn't be happy with it. But in execution, it's like I'm not mad at these segments. I'm enjoying the segments. And what's the commonality there? The Miz is at an all-time high in his career. Everybody thought I was crazy before the Superstar Shake-Up because I said following WrestleMania, it's time for The Miz to be WWE Champion for him to stay on SmackDown and be WWE champion. And what happens? You guys say, Sam, you're crazy. Miz gets drafted to Raw, and they put the championship on Jinder Mahal. Okay, yeah, I'm crazy. You're right. The Miz wouldn't have worked. I still want to see The Miz. You know, the, the, the Miz is like the truest bad guy on the roster. And the fact that he's making these segments work Prove he is he is at an all-time high at this moment. The Miz has never been better than he is today. And it's tough because, you know, you look at the fact that... I, you, you, I'm, I'm not interested in a Miz-Brock Lesnar match because that match doesn't work. Miz can never be even half as tough as Brock Lesnar for his character to work. And you look at the Fatal Five way... And I see Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and Finn Balor and Samoa Joe and Bray Wyatt. And I'm not sitting there going, looking at any of them and saying, well, The Miz should be in that spot. But that's why it was a little like, oh, no, when Miz got sent over to Raw. Because I think you could have had a pretty, pretty cool title run on SmackDown with The Miz. And I don't think that he's quite there for the universal title just because of what the rosters look like but I think if Miz went back to Smackdown today you know I would I, I would take the title off of Jinder when it's time 
maybe put it on AJ Styles and then have The Miz chase AJ Styles for the title. I think The Miz and AJ Styles in a title feud is money, 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 money. But what do I know? I'm just crazy. But that segment was awesome. I can't say enough good about the Samoa Joe segment. Do I think Samoa Joe is going to beat Brock Lesnar? No. But the Samoa Joe Paul Heyman segment on Raw was masterfully done. Samoa Joe's toughness, like, shined through. We're being sold on the idea that Samoa Joe is a real opponent for Brock Lesnar, to be taken seriously. And I was sold on that watching the show. And and, and really what made it great was was the, the bit where Samoa Joe didn't have a microphone. When the camera was close enough so you could hear it. And Samoa Joe had Paul Heyman cornered, explained exactly what he was going to do to Paul Heyman, and then did it, and then choked him out. Amazing. It was really well done. You talk about the Uso Penitentiary. Samoa Joe, that was like jailhouse style, what Samoa Joe did to Paul Heyman. Uh, Amazing segment, and, and a great way to lead in to the Great Balls of Fire story. You know, this idea that even though the pay-per-view has a bit of a silly name, you're dealing with a realistic match, a real story. This is really something to pay attention to. Because Samoa Joe believes that he can beat Brock Lesnar, and he's not afraid. And he just choked out Paul Heyman. Really good. And then what was really great on Raw to me was it, it, it reminded me that there are still moments where there are intricacies, where there are where, where details are paid attention to. I almost feel like last week's Raw, they kind of realized, like, okay, not the greatest show. This is Your Life did not work. We need to do something better this week. And they did something better. The segment where Kurt Angle leaves because he sees a text message was so good that's why I I tweeted something about it it was so good because on one end you're like who beat up Big Cass right I thought Big Cass beat up Enzo but now Enzo's okay and Big Cass just got jumped so you're wondering who beat up Big Cass you've got Kurt Angle leaving because of some mysterious text message totally unrelated by the way two separate storylines so now you've got two storylines going backstage. Who done it in terms of jumping Enzo and Cass? And what is the deal with all these text messages? At the same time, if you look closely while Kurt Angle's leaving the building, the revival is backstage. Once again, you can see the revival in the background, which we saw the revival the first night that Enzo got jumped, even though. Dash Wilder, I believe, is injured, and they have no business. They're not going to be wrestling. They have no business in the building. Why are they there? So they're in the background, and as Kurt Angle walks out, Dean Ambrose walks in. You've now got four storylines intertwined into one backstage segment. Now, all of a sudden, backstage feels alive. Now, all of a sudden... When we go backstage, we're actually looking at an environment where all of these stories 
are, are, are coinciding with each other. In the ring, you're concentrating on one story at a time. But the fact of the matter is, this is one TV show. So this, uh, all the stories should have something to do with each other. They're all happening under one roof. And when we went backstage this week, we've had that feeling again for the first time in God knows how long. And I thought it was so well done. I thought it was shot well. I thought it was told well. You know, the commentators didn't have to lay it on too thick. Like nothing. I don't even think it was mentioned that the revival were in the shot. It was just there for if you noticed it, which is great TV. That's why I liked Raw so much. You know, the, the, the Roman Reigns-Bray Wyatt match was good. Obviously, I'm never psyched when Bray Wyatt loses, but I wasn't shocked either. Um, and the, the, the but, I'm, but I'm interested. Here's why I'm interested. I wasn't shocked that Bray lost. But when Bray's music hit during the Samoa Joe-Seth Rollins match, the question that has to be asked is, is there an alliance between Bray Wyatt and Samoa Joe? You know, there are all these questions to ask coming off of this week's Raw. And that's what you want in a show. Something that's going to get you to watch next week. It's a soap opera. We've forgotten that it's supposed to be a soap opera. That's always what it's supposed to be. That's when it works the best. And we're seeing those soap opera elements come to Raw. And hopefully, hopefully they stay. Because that's it, it's the best way, it's the best way to watch. All right, folks, listen. For a great shave at a great price, you know who to call. My buddies at Dollar Shave Club. They support the podcast and they support you and that smooth face of yours. New members are going to get their first month of the Executive Razor and a tube of Dr. Carver's shave butter for only five dollars with free shipping. After that, razors are only a few bucks a month. A fifteen dollar value for only five bucks. You can get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. And I'll see you in that smooth face of yours next week here. He's not happy that we're leaving. But uh, we got to leave at some point, right? See you next week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.